AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is time, fellow conspiracy realist, for you to join our show. Would love to give a big, big thank you to everyone who hears us say stuff like this and says... You know what? I am going to reach into the void. I am going to contact my friends over on stuff they don't want you to know via email, via telephonic device, via any number of things, including walking Wittershins at Crossroads. This is where we hear from you. We are going to learn about witches. We are going to learn about tragedies. Uh, We are going to learn about hidden Uh, locuses or hidden loci of control throughout the world. And all of these in one way or another affect all of us directly. Perhaps we start with a lovely piece of correspondence we received uh, from across the pond from uh, someone who is, what was the name, Noel? Uh, Red Scott Witch. I'm not mistaken. Let's see. Or was it Scott Red Witch? Hold on a second. Let's. Get that was right. right. You got it. 
Yeah, yeah, Red Scott Witch here. Uh, let's just get right into it. This um, definitely was in relation to, oh, by the way, guys, I'm recording from a slightly different location, and you might hear some siren uh, songs, not the, the the ones that lure you to, to your demise, but, you know, ones from ambulances and the like. I'm kind of uh, on an exterior window of a building. Um, so forgive that in advance. But here we go, right direct to the email. Red Scott Witch here. Huh. Never thought I'd be sending a bunch of dudes, guys, an email about my witchiness. I guess times are changing. Uh, I finally had the courage to listen to How Witch Hunts Actually Worked, uh, the How Witch Hunts Actually Work podcast, and wanted to send a note to say thank you for shining a light on the power women hold and the fear it invokes in others. I would consider myself a reluctant witch, not necessarily Wiccan, pagan, but definitely have stuff within that scares the sh- out of me. So to be completely out there, I'm able to connect with dead people's energy. Yep. I talked to dead people. I didn't ask for it. I don't necessarily want it. And it is there and getting stronger as I get older. So this redheaded Scott despises the word witch because of the history and negativity surrounding it. Seen a Disney movie lately? I do not have warts on my face, and when I enter my crone era, I am sure I won't be as hunched over and evil as witches are portrayed to be. Conspiracy against women once again, I think. I don't recall seeing a wart on Merlin's character. It's very true. Uh, (laughs) Don't get me started. I'm sure you can sense a bit of rage building. Anyways, I have been a huge fan of your podcast, and I wonder if part of it is about surrounding myself with men, guys, dudes, masculinity, where I don't feel like I'll be burned, drowned, or come after. Uh, I am at a time in my life where I would have been a prime target for the witch hunts, and maybe there is comfort in knowing there are humans that don't think being witchy is bad, weird maybe, but not bad or dangerous. I also listen to Josh and Chuck, uh, so it is refreshing to know there are guys out there that have room for witchiness. If you see them in the hallway, say hi for me. You bet. Uh, I am not sure if you realized it, but your podcasts help me feel safe. That's a big deal. Uh, my next challenge is to listen to the Divine Intervention episode. Not there yet, as I have lots of fear uh, around facing my own experiences without feeling shame. I'm a work in progress. Thanks again for doing what you do. Best Red Scott Witch. Uh, and Ben, you you actually you saw this email as well, as we see every email that comes to us, like we say at the end of every episode. And you wrote a lovely response back to, to Red Scott Witch just about how you and, and I'm sure we can all uh, get behind this. Uh, it makes us feel really great to, to, to know that in any way we can help contribute to someone's feelings of, of safety and, and security or at the very least be, you know, uh, an ally in any way, shape or form. Agreed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we are unanimous in that sentiment. And there, there's something interesting that happens here. Uh, Red Scott, which, uh, as we may have mentioned, you're, uh, you're not alone. You're one of uh, several folks who have written in to us and said, hey, I was skeptical or I was hesitant uh, or trepidatious, perhaps, about tuning into a certain episode. Right, how witch hunts actually worked, how divine intervention actually works, things like that. Uh, and we do our level best as a group to make sure that we're not falling prey to the romanticization that so often occurs with some of these things. And and we endeavor, uh, we endeavor in all things to be objective, uh, to be reasoned, and I think we do. An all right job overall, 
right? Like we're, we're not dunking on things we don't understand. We're trying to understand them. Is that fair? Oh, 100%. I think I've mentioned before uh, on the podcast that there are people that are very close to me in my life who um, consider themselves to be witchy or witch adjacent for various reasons and, you know, have a very... Uh, strong connections with uh, with the dead and with energy fields and, you know, the like. And I, you know, try very hard to never um, be judgy or to think about like, oh, is this true? Is this real? Because it's not for me to say, honestly. You know, I really have gotten to a place in my old age or I guess uh, advancing age um, that I just don't have room for that anymore. And I really, really try outside of maybe the occasional judgment for towards people who are just plain hateful or use beliefs uh, in, in ways that divide people. Um, I, I try never to ever um, have any judgment when it comes to people's beliefs, uh, as long as it's something that is just personal to them and they aren't using it in any kind of negative or mean spirited way. So and we we talk about it a lot too in the divine intervention episode. I think Red Scott Witch pointing out their connections with the dead. Uh, this to me feels very adjacent to the the divine intervention slash hearing voices uh, slash the witch hunt stuff. All of those I think were kind of a triple threat, um, and they have elements that really support and kind of enhance each other in terms of how a lot of these things sort of played uh, with historical figures and folks that were seen as being a threat. Um, and I do think a big part of what we were talking about was about how this was just used as a tool uh, to oppress women. And recently I, I did a video um, update, you know, on our YouTube channel or maybe on Instagram, just about how modern witch hunts, which was referencing something we talked about in that very episode, that this stuff is not just relegated to the past. You know, there are parts of the world that still do use these tactics as tools of oppression, you know, to keep women subjugated and to take their land and to take their prosperity. And to further add, because this has been uh, an obsession of mine for some time, to further add, uh, the people who are persecuted in these things that we call witch hunts, if you, if you, do, uh, if you do some diligent research, what you find is it is historically, yes, Women and female-identifying people are overwhelmingly targeted. However, there will also be, especially in trying socioeconomic times, there will also be a, a number of other demographic indicators that are targeted. Right now, uh, you can see various horrifying cases of people with albinism targeted in countries across uh, sub-Saharan Africa actually in different parts of the continent overall. And these accusations, these moral panics, they never occur because someone genuinely thought there was an insidious infernal conspiracy. They occur because people are having a terrible time and they want someone to blame that they can also harm. Yeah, or rob or deprive of their legacy, their heritage, their belongings. Shout out devil dignity. in the shape of a woman. 100%. Uh, I've got a question for Red Scott Witch and anybody else who's listening right now. Uh, and I'm asking this from a genuine position of curiosity because I've had some weird stuff mid-meditation and uh, dream sequence. What is the sensation when you are communicating with dead people's energy? What what are the sights, the sounds, the all other sensory input? What is that experience like for you? Hmm. 
I think we'd all be interested in the mechanisms, maybe like how it functions for you. Again, that doesn't mean that's how it functions for everybody. Sure. That's how you experience it. And it made me think of the hearing voices stuff because you got to wonder, but we, we even on that episode talked about what would that feel like? The idea of hearing voices seems like you're describing a very objective thing. Like there's a voice audible in your mind, but we talked about how to different folks that could be experienced very differently. Your internal voice isn't necessarily a sound, you know, it's like a psychic sound kind of, it's weird. And there are so many people who do not have an internal monologue, at least as they identify it, which I think baffled a lot of us listening along that evening. Uh, I love this question because your mileage may vary when you're having these experiences. Uh, It it may be multipolar. Uh, There are, in the historical record, there are um, depictions of all of the senses, right? There are people who say, I can see dead people, and that's not a sixth sense reference. There are people who will say, oh, I can hear someone, or I feel something, or a memory springs to mind, or one of the, uh, one of the very interesting ones is the idea of a smell, right? All of a sudden, I have smelled this smell that I always associated with my grandfather, right? Or with a, a relative who has passed on. So it, I, I agree with you, Matt. It would be absolutely fascinating to hear more people's individual experiences with this phenomenon. Well, with that, I think it's time to take a quick break, uh, hear a word from our sponsor, and then come back with more listener mail. And thank you again to Red Scott Witch. We'll be right back. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. And we're back. 
We're jumping to the phone lines, everybody, to hear a message from Kitty. Uh, just minor warning here. The things Kitty is discussing, then what we'll be discussing after, uh, have to do with a mass shooting event that occurred this year in Maine. Um, you've likely heard about it. It was a big deal and a tragedy and a horrible thing. And we're going to examine it a little bit. So if you don't want to hear about that, or if that's going to be triggering for you, go ahead and skip forward about 15 minutes. We'll see you then. Or continue listening. Here's the message from Kitty. Hi, uh, my name is Kat. Um, you can call me Kitty. <laughs> uh so I live in Lewiston, Maine, which um, recently, as you may know, uh, made national headlines for there being uh, one of the deadliest mass shootings in history. Um, the deadliest this year and certainly the only one that Maine has ever had. Um, however, something that came out of this is, um, you know, in looking at the suspect, he had cochlear implants recently put in. And, you know, according to, you know, the media, which who knows, but um, he was like perfectly normal before these cochlear implants were given to him and then started experiencing, um, you know, auditory hallucinations of um, that were very humiliating um, and dehumanizing. And that sort of led him down this um, spiral of, you know, sort of psychosis. Um, so I just thought it was something that's interesting. Maybe you guys could look into it or talk about it or, or maybe not. But <laughs> to me, it was fascinating um, because there is some literature. I'm, I'm a doctorate student um, in social work, and so I have access to some peer-reviewed stuff. And it does look like there's some evidence that cochlear implants can lead to um, auditory hallucinations and psychosis. So I just, um, you know, it's just kind of fascinating. There's obviously plenty of conversation to be had about the shooting in terms of politics and what, what could have been done. Um, certainly its own beast of a topic and one that is certainly being debated in Maine right now, um, particularly in my field. But uh, but I thought the cochlear implant bit was kind of fascinating. Um, you know, why why would that be, I guess? And, and what are we doing to help protect these folks when they get these implants? Um, you know, how are we screening people who are getting these? How are we making sure that they'll be okay? Um, and who's following up to make sure that these folks, um, you know, have the support they need if they do experience that? Um, so anyway, uh, love the show, longtime listener. Um, and, you know, thank you guys for getting me through not only a tough time in my community, but um, many years of tough time in my field. So I look forward to it every week. Thank you guys for all you do. Bye-bye. Well. As we said at the top here, we're talking about a mass shooting that happened in Lewiston, Maine, where Kitty hails from. This is a really interesting point that somehow I completely missed when reading about this story. I think personally, maybe because it was yet another mass shooting story that I felt I didn't want to explore too much unless I had to. Mm -hmm. Um, just for uh, literally, literally for my own mental health Dude, and stability, um, <laughs> just how frequently these happens to the point where you do have to almost self select, you know, cause it's just overwhelming. man. Yeah. But this concept of cochlear implants in particular, or hearing aids, any kind of sound amplification, inner ear amplification, any technology like that. And then that association with potentially musical ear or hearing voices or, you know, anything to where there's potentially an auditory hallucination occurring. Musical ear syndrome. 
Yeah, exactly. Musical ear syndrome, where sounds are coming in and those tones are forming human vocalizations in your mind, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Right in your the transition between what that sound and vibration actually is to how your brain is uh, taking in that information. It does appear from a lot of reporting out of Newsweek and New York Post and the Daily Beast. Um, Even CBS News picked up on it that there was something going on with the suspect in that case, uh, Robert Card, an Army reservist, who pretty shortly before this event had visited a psychiatric facility, and he had stated to them, at least according to the reporting, that he had been hearing voices. He also had suffered some pretty severe hearing loss fairly recently before this event to where he did need to use some kind of Uh, hearing aids. I have not seen the phrase cochlear implant used in any of that reporting. I have seen high powered hearing aids, Mm -hmm. which those are two very different things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so I don't know. Is the hypothesis that this is causing auditory hallucinations that are being interpreted as voices of some kind? Well, the hallucination would be, changing a grouping of sounds and tones or uh, translating a group of sounds and tones into human speech as you're Mm -hmm. hearing them, right? That would be the hallucination. Well, yeah, it'd be, it'd be very similar to, and I'm glad we're bringing this up. First, I want to say, Kitty, thank you for fighting the good fight uh, and pursuing your higher education in a way that betters society overall. Um, The, the point you're bringing up, Matt, it's, uh, If we look at it through comparison, another example would be, uh, imagine the last time you looked at clouds, right? And you saw shapes in the clouds. And, you know, that's a very safe thing for people to do because we're exercising the brain's pattern recognition tendency. In this case, uh, there's the idea that having this um, technological intervention which changes the things that you can consciously hear may in some way uh, function in a comorbid method with perhaps other mental mental conditions, right? Such that your pattern identification goes a little bit beyond your conscious control. And now you are hearing things that you could not have heard before without this technological intervention, but your brain doesn't quite know what to do with them. And if there are a a couple of pre-existing sort of circumstances, then it may interpret these things, to your point, in a very damaging, uh, a a very damaging manner. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it does. Well, and and also you have to put yourself in a position of imagining the all all of the sounds around you are being amplified way more than they ever Mm -hmm. have been. Right Mm -hmm. now, imagine you're in a crowded place like a bowling alley or a bar. If you're that person sitting in that bar, you are probably hearing a lot more conversation a lot more clearly than you would if you were just sitting there across from somebody talking to them, right? And mm-hmm. then there's that susurrus, the murmur that's going on within the bar space or the you know large open bowling alley. I do imagine it's probably a combination of that thing you're describing, Ben, and just actually hearing conversations out of context, but a bunch of them at once. 
so that words become out of context and phrases and, you know, the subjects and the objects are all intermingling. And your brain is prioritizing maybe without your conscious uh, consent. I mean, it's similar in, in some ways and not to be glib at all. It's similar in some ways to the depictions we see in fiction where someone discovers telepathy. Right. And all of a sudden the world is too much with us. Oh, uh, yeah. Th- that can that can happen. And if you've ever had um, if you're listening today and you've ever had uh, some sort of surgery like ear. Uh, oh, what was it like ear canal surgery? Things like that used to be quite common once upon a time. Then you realize that the world does seem to fundamentally change based on your ability to experience it. So all of a sudden you're hearing these new sounds and your brain is the unreliable narrator of all this new information. Well, yeah, or if you're applying all of it to yourself, right? So we, we, do, we do that as humans a lot. We will kind of apply things that have nothing to do with us to ourselves. Um, that's just an, another trait that many humans have. Um, I'm one of them, putting my hand mm-hmm. up. Same. <laughs> uh, self-identifying with stuff that ha- has nothing to do with us. Um, this is very interesting because all of this is occurring very shortly. This person, Robert Card, is in these places we're describing, hearing some of these things. He is reporting to his family members, at least according to his sister-in-law, Katie, who is either named, uh, last name Card or O'Neill, uh, just depending on which reporting you're believing either Newsweek or New York Post. Um, Assuming he's probably card. He was reporting to his family that he was hearing voices and people in these locations were speaking ill of him, saying things directly about him. And he would tell his family that and they didn't. It wasn't that they didn't believe him. Here's some quotations from Katie uh, from the reporting that's coming out of New York Post. In the lead up to the shooting, Card started using these uh, high-powered hearing aids. He truly believed he was hearing people say things, and this all happened just within the last few months. He would get mad and claim we didn't believe him. We tried to listen to him and tell him that nobody was talking about him. Uh, But she goes on to say in the Newsweek, basically he would just get very frustrated when trying to express that he's hearing these things, these very specific things, but his close family members were expressing that he's not actually hearing that and he's okay. Um, you know, who knows like what led to what and why this terrible shooting occurred, the worst mass shooting in Maine's history. But the connection between these like hearing aid devices, no matter what they are, and auditory hallucination, I think is something we need, we need to look into even further. Agreed. It it should be a follow up to our previous episode on on hearing voices because this is, I mean, Kitty. One of the best questions you ask is why there is not some sort of check in or evaluation for the um, for the application of hearing aid technology in this way, right? Because. I don't know. I, I agree with you, Matt. I think this is something that bears much further investigation. Again, it seems as if the technological intervention to improve this shooter's hearing coincided with pre-existing 
mental conditions. And if you read through the publicly inf available information about about his life leading up to this disaster, which I believe is the tenth deadliest mass shooting in U.S. history, is that correct? Uh, that's what I've seen in the reporting. Yeah, yeah. If you read about this, then what what you see is that this was not a person who was feeling completely a hundred percent on the up and up before yeah. they got this uh, technological intervention. Yeah. So let's just really quickly jump to something from WBZ news. That is a CBS affiliate out of, out of Boston. Um, they were reporting on October 26th that he was behaving erratically on July 16th while training at the United States military Academy and, quote, out of concern for his safety, the unit requested law enforcement be contacted. New York State Police responded and transported him to the Keller Army Community Hospital in the U.S. Military Academy for medical evaluation. So that, I mean, he went through something in July, and then the shooting occurred in October. So not a long span between some kind of uh, mental health crisis and this mass shooting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's tough because... <laughs> It becomes so politicized, just as Kitty said, and we don't mm -hmm. want that to occur as much as possible. But uh, looking at the science, I think can't hurt anyone or anything. It can only help. Agreed. So thanks so much, Kitty, for sending us that message. Uh, we will be right back with more messages from you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. And we have returned. This one is this one may seem somewhat dry and academic, but we promise you it does matter. 
Uh, first off, what do you guys think about lithium? Lithium, the drug or the substance? The the, the, the rare earth metal. Yes, I should or have the, or the Nirvana song. Yeah, uh, the rare earth metal. You know, honestly, I don't think I know too much about it, Ben, but I'm excited to learn. Oh, me too, man. Unrelated to the medication, though, right? They just happen to share the same name? Or is there? I've always wondered, is there a, a, a crossover? Is it not a metal? Just a, a metal substance. <laughs> Isn't it kind of a brittle, like white metal that can that can kind of crumble almost into a powder? So lithium compounds, lithium salts, they're called, are what are used as the psychiatric medicine or medication. Um, lithium itself, the it is a soft metal, right? Lithium itself, the element uh, is a, is a soft kind of silvery white. Metal. If you saw it, you'd probably think that looks like tinfoil. But lithium does, in a very real way, in a very weird way, make the world go round. Let's go to Jay Bird. Jay Bird, you recently wrote us the following. We'll read this along. We'll explore it together, just like Rock City, and then we'll stop along the way. So, Jay Bird, you say, Hey guys, I enjoy the show and thought this ongoing multinational saga would be right up your alley. Beware, it's a can of worms. We'll also accept bag of badgers, JB. Jaybird says, this story is a tangled web of epic proportions. I'll try to provide a general outline. You can dive as deep as you wish. The story is about a lithium deposit in the Democratic Republic of Congo called Monono an Australian junior mineral exploration company called AVZ and all the government's crooks and individuals trying to steal or otherwise personally capitalize upon it. The AVZ, says Jaybird, their managing director is a Tasmanian geologist who's worked on the African continent fairly extensively. They got the permits. They drilled to prove their resource. Then they created a feasibility study and turned out that this site they found in Monono was one of the largest and purest lithium deposits on earth. We're talking an estimated value of $24 trillion or something absurd like that. And we're going to paraphrase a little bit here, folks. Uh, With this, this proven study, they did a IPO, an initial public offering. They signed an agreement with the world's largest battery manufacturer, Then they applied for a mining license and so on and so on. And Jaybird says, full disclosure, I bought some stock in this Australian company because the research they had done showed it was going to be one of the most ecologically friendly mining operations. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I love Matt. Uh, Matt, I love your face there. (laughs) So ecologically friendly mining operations. That's a lot like the... um, (laughs) the most illiterate essayist at the Nobel, you know, Uh, it seems paradoxical, but, uh, but Jaybird says they were ecologically friendly because they had hydrogen powered machinery. The electricity came from a nearby hydroelectric plant. And because they were publicly traded, this company in Australia would have to be transparent. So they would minimize bribery, corruption, child labor, nasty stuff like that. And then they got an approval from uh, the high muckety-mucks in the government in this country. And they were supposed to get a tax for what are called surface rights. Then they'd get a permit, and then they could begin actually building this mine. That they had, like, millions of dollars have already moved 
to and fro across the table here. <laughs> and, oh, Ben, maybe silly question um, in terms of like the value of the stuff and, and the way it affects our economy. This is the same stuff that maybe goes into like phone batteries, lithium ion, right? Yeah, yeah. Lithium ion batteries, lithium metal batteries. It's used to make steel and aluminum. It's used to make uh, ceramics, heat resistant glass, something called lithium grease lubricants, which I don't. I don't pretend to know much about, but it does sound just cartoonishly. <laughs> not a lubricant spe- expert. <laughs> it just, yeah, <laughs> I'm not a lithium lubricant expert, Fair. but this Fair. sounds specific enough to be real. Matt, I see your head shake. <laughs> We're working live. I do also, I think I'm remembering from like my early studies of the periodic table, lithium in its raw form is highly reactive and, and, uh, uh, can be dangerous. You know, if they like, I think it reacts very violently with water and can cause explosive reactions. Super flammable too. Also learned a fun trick with a little bit of aluminum and mercury recently. It's cool stuff. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, hopefully that never comes in handy, but if we're ever locked up in the wrong place, let's just cookbook type stuff, Ben. Yeah. Just remember, just remind me, we got to break the thermometer if they have AC in there. And then we're, we're off to the races. It's so cool. I'll send it to you guys later. So with all this stuff and our little anarchist cookbook level tip, if you ever find yourself in an inescapable situation, let's go back to Jaybird. So Jaybird says that there is a heck of a lot of corruption going on with a state-owned mining company called Comunier or Comunier. Uh, and they are in an agreement with this Australian company. Uh, one of them, the state-owned company, has a 25% stake. And then it, like, it gets into the weeds pretty hard here, Jaybird. This is perfect for a future episode. But the problem is these folks started illegally selling shares to a Chinese-owned company named Zijin. And they sold it very off the books. Only a fraction of the value got accounted for, and it was spent on, get this, this is a quote from Jaybird, Comunier illegally sold uh, shares to a Chinese-owned company named Zijin out from under AVZ for a fraction of its value with none of the money accounted for. It was allegedly spent on consulting fees and snacks. Snacks? Snacks, dude. Hopefully Jolly Ranchers, you know, Mountain Dew. Lemonheads. Dang. I wonder how much that 15% actually equals, right? That, that's probably a lot of money. And it's still speculative money too, right? Because you don't get the money until you sell the lithium and process it and all those other things. Uh, to make a long story short, says Jaybird, the situation has devolved into several court cases at the ICC in Paris. And what do we say in the United States about the International Criminal Court? Boo. No way. <laughs> Not today, death. <laughs> Not, today. Not today. We'll storm the Hague. F*** around and find out. So there's a, uh, there are a couple of other international entities that have been sucked into this. And Jaybird says, by the way, this Chinese company, Zijin, has one of the worst human rights records in the world and has been repeatedly trying to steal this lithium mining project from this Australian company. 
They funded a campaign to try and overturn the company's board of directors in a hostile takeover. They paid off journalists. They've bribed officials and judges in the DRC. And they have infiltrated stock forums to try to do some like 50 cent army kind of uh, internet trolling and astroturfing and so on. Wow. I just want to know where you're getting all this information, Jaybird. <laughs> Jaybird says, uh, basically, whomever controls this mine controls the global lithium market. It doesn't get a lot of media attention because it's confusing and because people don't really want you to talk about it. Uh, that's us editorializing here. I uh, am to your question, Matt. Let's again, we're paraphrasing a lot because we're saving some of this for an episode. Let's go to Jaybird's very last line. Please don't state anything I've written as fact, as I wrote this from memory. Off the top of my head, have fun, Jaybird. What? I don't know. For off the dome, you got a lot of facts, man. Yeah. <laughs> but if you're making up facts, Jaybird, what are we supposed to do about it? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Uh, we haven't even mentioned lithium's use in nuclear physics. What? A, we'll leave the cat in. <laughs> <laughs> so he was like, yeah, nuclear physics. So we've talked a little bit in the past, you guys, about the invisible, often invisible cutthroat market of rare earth metals and how much of the world depends on them. My question at the top is, do these... Do these kind of machinations, do they feel like just the regular dirty game of international business or is there something more at play? Is this a resource war? If it was a resource war, it would feel more like security services getting involved rather than stuff happening in the boardroom. But I guess if you're doing it smart, you know, like resource extraction smart and wars in that way, you would do it in the boardroom rather than on the field. Um I'm just looking up some of the reporting that you can find in Reuters and other places, mm -hmm. specifically about AVZ Minerals, the oh, company yeah, yeah, that's yeah. being mentioned here. Yep. There is, there's some definite stuff going on, uh, and it's talking about these specific companies, Zijin Mining. Yibin Tanyi and so on. Yeah. I mean, it's it's in here. Yeah, it's I definitely it's definitely real. I would also point out, while we're uh, playing the if-then game here, that right before Russia invaded Ukraine this time around, <laughs> the lithium resources of Ukraine were drawing huge global attention from, you guessed it, Chinese and Australian mining investors. Weird. I know. I don't want to be Charlie Day about it, but coincidence? It's important stuff. You like batteries? You like things <laughs> that run on batteries? How about <laughs> magnets? <laughs> How do they work? How? Also, you know what? I'm fine. I'll say it again. Noel, I'm sorry you have to hear this again. But the problem with the ICP song about where they mention magnets is that Shaggy 2 Dope says, magnets, how do they work? I don't want to talk to a scientist. You motherfuckers be lying and getting me pissed. So at in the That is a good rhyme, though. Scientists <laughs> with lying and getting me pissed. Who saw it? But at the same time that he is saying... He has no idea how magnets might work, which honestly, I don't think we're all 100% on. Then uh, he, in the same line, he acknowledges that there are people who know, and he refuses to speak to them. 
Yeah, they're called sorcerers, Ben. Duh. <laughs> Magno sorcerer. Oh, my God. The very least alchemists. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the very least. Yes, yes. Maybe we should. God, it's so weird that we haven't played D&D together. But this is important because lithium is part of the rush to clean energy, right? And it's all well and good, I think, for us to talk about a future that is not reliant on fossil fuels, but something that often gets missed and all the feel-good TED Talky arguments about this, is those technologies that create this so-called clean energy, they often come from dirty places, right? Like if you get an electric car and you power that car on a coal-powered energy grid, what are you really doing? It's true. That, that's one of the major uh, what points against the electrification of our vehicles. Why did I say it like that? I don't know. I love it. <laughs> right, Lauren Michaels. <laughs> the electrification of our vehicle. In my day, you pushed the pop. It's dirty energy, no matter where it comes from. It's dirty. I don't wait. No, that's a wrong. That's a wrong accent. I did the wrong accent. <laughs> Very hard to place accent. <laughs> this is shout out Elon Musk, right? But this is uh, this is something that I think we could investigate further, Jaybird. Uh, in this specific case, we see a microcosm of a larger thing happening. Now, to Matt's point, is it a resource war? Not yet. Not quite yet. However, and I guess I should also say, uh, we are all proponents of clean energy. As people who are not working in that industry, we keep a pretty close eye on these different alternatives, the way they will shake out in the world. So we are pro those improvements. However, it seems like there's a lot of stuff happening behind the curtain uh, regarding who controls this stuff, how they use it, and where they use it. And so it's important to keep your eye on because right now, for the global public, that is the stuff they don't want you to know. And with that, speaking of segues, we're going to call it an evening Dodd approaches, which means we must enter torpor. We would like to hear from you. Let us know what's on your mind. Let us know what you think, folks. Uh, we have come across multiple stories here that will be episodes in the future, and uh, we want more of them. We cannot wait to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff, where we exist on Facebook, uh, YouTube, and X, uh, FKA Twitter. Uh, I'm going to stop saying that eventually. And I mainly have, but I just had to say it one more time in case anyone's confused. Uh, you can find us at the handle Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram and TikTok. Call us. 1-833-STD-WYTK. Put it in your phone as a contact in case it reaches back out. When you do call in, you get three minutes, give yourself a cool nickname, and let us know in that message if we can use your message and your voice on one of these listener mail episodes. If you got more to say, maybe you got links, maybe you got attachments, maybe you just want to write a book in an email, why don't you send it to us that way? We are the people who just might write you back. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com Stuff They Don't Want You To Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.